in honor of St. Patrick's Day, who is your favorite green superhero? Um, Tabitha, let's start with you this week. I didn't realize how many green superheroes there were. Um, in honor of National Women's Day yesterday, I'm going to go with Poison Ivy. Nice. Like By the way, happy belated National Women's Day to the both of you. Oh, Thank thanks. you. You're welcome. Lydia. So I'm, I'm going to go a, a weird route, but it's on a list online, so you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Um, Tommy Oliver, Green Power Ranger. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh. Good choice. Ooh, okay. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go... As, as far as Green Lanterns go, I mean, Hal Jordan has always kind of been my favorite. But for the purposes of this, I'm going to go, since we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day, I'm going to go with the di- ginger of the group and uh, say Guy Gardner. Matt. Um, so I'm a little torn, um, but I think I have to settle on Beast Boy because I think he would have the most fun with St. Patrick's Day knowing that he was green and just living that up. Yeah, for sure. Unpinchable. (laughs) While simultaneously pinching everyone else. Correct. (laughs) Especially Superman, because he's probably not going to wear any green because it might be kryptonite. True. Ooh, I bet St. Patrick's Day is like his least favorite holiday ever. (laughs) Everything looks like kryptonite. He's like, oh, triggered. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm just imagining, you know, like Bruce Wayne and all the other ones just like slowly walking up to him and just holding out something green real quick just to see him flinch. (laughs) And now I'm highly amused. (laughs) PTKD. I'll take that one. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha and Lydia. You know, I love it when A, I'm not the first person of the evening to get shamed, and B, when the shame comes before the opening theme and <laughs> still not me um i love it so uh we have like a lot of stuff to talk about tonight guys a lot of stuff um the first thing i want to talk about um is actually it's it deals it's kind of local ish news it deals with something going on in the in the illinois state house matt let's talk about uh house bill 2789 so as more and more libraries across the country are being I threatened isn't the right word. The article here says pressured, and that probably is closer to what we're looking for, um, to ban books. Um, the Illinois government, um, Secretary of State Alexei Janulius, who is also, didn't know this until recently, uh, the state librarian, um, has helped propose legislation um, to prevent book bannings from happening across the state. Uh, he says that the radical, or sorry, the Laura, Mur- Senator Laura Murphy, who is like part of the group that's pushing this bill, um, says this radical movement to ban books cannot be allowed in the state of Illinois. The state 
in which Bray Bradbury, the author of Fahrenheit 451, a book that chronicled the dangers of censorship, book bans, and book burning, called home, she said. So, um, the new bill will require Illinois libraries to either issue a statement that they will prohibit banning of controversial materials or show that they will follow the ALA, which is American Library Association, Library Bill of Rights, which says, quote, materials should not be prescribed or removed because of partisan or doctrinal doctrinal disapproval. Um, the governor has already said that he supports this bill. Um, it would go into effect January of next year if it's signed. Um, but this is... In today's world where more and more books are being pressured, more libraries are being pressured to ban these books, there's a reason they're being banned. It's because that they touch on sensitive subjects, and those are sensitive subjects that need to be taught and discussed. And if you ban them, then those discussions do not happen. So this is very important, definitely needs to happen, and I am thrilled to see that some of these state legislatures are taking up the 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 reins on this and going forward so we'll see what happens um don't exactly know when it's going to be discussed in you know state congress but uh hopefully soon yeah and this is the hearing was i believe today oh or oh. it's tomorrow it's all right it's in it's very soon cool. so if you have thoughts feelings feel free to contact your local legislator that said by the time that this is edited and released... Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. The conversations will have already happened, but... Um, still. It's still, yeah, it's not being voted on anytime soon. So, yes, absolutely. Continue to, uh, you know, talk to your Congress people and elected officials. Uh, this is something that is very cool, very important, and very sad that we even have to have this conversation. Yeah. Slightly unrelated, but... Um, I was looking at this and I was like, okay, I'm not really for sure, you know, exactly what this was because when this po story was posted, it just said, you know, HB <laughs> 2789. So I Googled it. So if you're not familiar with how house bills are numbered, they basically get recycled. Okay. So oh, no. I just Googled Illinois HB <laughs> 2789 oh, no. and the first link that popped up it said something about um extending like sick time for teachers who are like mm -hmm. i yeah so i'm like okay yes this is important but this is not in our wheelhouse <laughs> at all How why i don't get it yeah and then i read and i was like oh this is from a previous from a previous session. yeah legislative <laughs> session so um then i added the year 2023 to it and then i found it i was like oh okay this makes way more sense <laughs> sorry to confuse you i should have provided more information it's okay <clears throat> but yeah um also i especially with illinois i don't see a world where this doesn't pass so that is very good yeah. um but yeah so hopefully more states will follow suit but the states that need to follow suit are going to be the ones who don't so yep. here you go thanks tennessee <laughs> and florida <laughs> all right let's go to the poll list what's on our poll list this week 
And we have a couple of books to talk about tonight. Uh, the first one is called The Snowcat Prince. It's out now from Oni Press by Dina Norland. Uh, before I talk about this, I do want to bring this up. Um, Oni Press announced earlier this week that Diana actually passed away recently uh, after a long illness. Along with The Snowcat Prince, uh, her other works include Wild Sprout, Graylings, and Fern and the Moon Rabbit. Uh, Oni Press is donating a portion of proceeds from the Snowcat Prince to uh, Sykhuslavnini, a Norwegian children's organization, in her honor. Um, Dina was Norwegian. That's why they they chose that one. Um, I'm going to wait to talk about it, (laughs) but I will say... I absolutely adore this story. Um, Tabitha, I want to start with you because you sent me a snap earlier tonight. (laughs) Um, So I have a feeling we're in very similar boats. I loved this. So it starts out like you're being told a fairy tale, but then it's this mythological cat and... (laughs) The battle of wills and the battle of powers in history between these two species and how they come together and an epic journey for the smallest creature. Like this had all of those like epic fantasy tropes in it in all of the best ways. Um, I went, no, like 500 (laughs) times reading this and our main protagonist, our adventurer, if you will, meets a friend and their relationship blooms and blossoms and then things take a turn and it just ugh, it's just so good. This was so well written. The art was absolutely incredible. There was this scene with the friend um, where uh, she approaches and he's like, ugh, and it's like mold. Uh, weird clothes, bird's nest hair, dirty, loud, annoying. And I was like, oh my God, relatable. It's me on the weekend. (laughs) It was so cute and it made me have feelings. It was just so good. And I'm really glad no one told me the author had passed away until after I had read it because I'm very fragile right now and I probably would have cried. Um, and also, thank you for kind of giving a synopsis synopsis, because I totally forgot to. I had one written down, but I totally forgot to give it. I just figured you wanted me to so i did it <laughs> thank you for that do you want to do it again <laughs> <laughs> no you 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 covered pretty much all the main points uh but yeah i this was amazing um not even discussing the story yet just the art is just breathtaking and this is one of those books that you know we we get to read a lot of stuff digitally and that's fantastic for for what we're doing you know but this is a book that deserves to be read in person like physically there are a lot of full color or i like two page spreads Mm -hmm. that get cut up when you're reading it digitally which i understand Mm -hmm. but to be able to see all of that just it would be mind-blowing um yeah the art is phenomenal um uh Siv, who is the snowcat prince um i want like 17 stuffed sieves um <laughs> i want 17 live sieves <laughs> that's fair that's fair um like just 
the the emotion that's that's shown not just with him but with with the other characters um kit you know the friend is very sassy um you know i was reading this and i'm i was trying to give them you know like not i was trying to give them not necessarily like americanized accents when i'm reading them in my head <laughs> but kit had a southern accent <laughs> there's no other way around it <laughs> she you know she seems like this like little tomboy almost um but yeah but the the friendship that is forged between these two um you know and this this book it has a very satisfying ending uh i just yeah i i loved it top to bottom um especially with what Oni Press is doing to honor Dina. Like if I see this out in the wild, like the chances <clears throat> of me picking it up are very high. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? So two initial thoughts. One, I have to agree that this artwork is absolutely phenomenal. Like the artwork is absolutely amazing from beginning to end. Um, number two, assuming that Oni Press shows up at C2E2 the end of this month, a hard copy of this is coming home. This was absolutely phenomenal. And like Tabitha said, it has all of those fantasy tropes, but in all the best ways. It doesn't do the tropes as tropes. Like it twists them, it turns them. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit new. And it's just, it's it's fantastic. Um, if I had to pick one thing that I was not 100% on board with, was that the voices and the art for the other six Snowcat Prince brothers mm-hmm. was a little confusing. Like it was kind of hard to tell them all apart. But that seemed that's that's such a minor thing in the grand scope of this adventure that I really don't have anything else to say. But yes, like like you said, Mitch, I see this out around. It's coming home. Absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely right about the the brothers. Like <laughs> when when I was reading them, I was like, I, I I got confused. Especially there were like I think there were maybe two of them that I was definitely confused on. I was like, you're the same. Cat. A lot of them all kind of merged into them, like one. Yeah, yeah, that was my complaint when I was reading it too. I was like, God, I hope this ends soon because I don't know who these cats are. <laughs> <laughs> so, also out now from Tokyo Pop is Guardian of Fukushima uh, by Ewan Blaine and Fabian Grullo. Uh, this graphic, graphic novel biography is based on the true story of Naoto Matsum, Matsum, Matsumura. Naoto Matsumura. Thank you. <laughs> uh, votes for Lydia just to pronounce all of those names. <laughs> um <laughs> who is a Japanese farmer uh, in the ma- aftermath of the 2011 Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant disaster. Uh, this person refused to abandon his animals. Uh, the biography is interwoven with Japanese folk tales. Um, I have been excited to read this book, uh, but then this week got away from me. So Lydia, tell me how much I need to read this book as soon as we're done recording. You should definitely read this book as soon as we're done recording. Um, so to start off uh, in the forward, it mentions like how uh, these natural disasters happen and they're like 
almost downplayed because you know you're not there you don't experience it so like it's a horrible thing but you're far enough separated from it you don't really get the full impact of it so basically what they did with this is they took that and they formed it into an actual story so you feel like you're there with him and it starts off uh his nephews just showed up and all of a sudden everything starts happening there's these like feels like earthquakes and then they realize the tsunami's coming and then the power plants start blowing up they have to get the nephew back to his parents and then parents are basically turned away from their own family their family doesn't want them because you know they might be contaminated and all this fun stuff and in the end he decides you know he gets his family out and it's just him alone with all these animals because he doesn't want to leave them alone he doesn't want to abandon them because everyone else is just abandoning everyone anyway and then all these animals just they don't know what's going on they don't know how to survive and it starts out with just his animals and then it slowly just turns into him going around his hometown and just collecting all the pets that were left behind all the farm animals that were left behind and it's interwoven with all the folklore in such a way that you you get that emotional impact of like him telling the bedtime story to the nephew in the beginning while everything else is happening that's meshing with that story and the art is beautiful it's soft in a way that like you don't lose the edges Mm -hmm. but it's not sharp and like indirectly in your face I haven't got the chance to read like the last 30 pages, so I don't know how the story ends. I don't know the extra story it's based on because I haven't done a whole lot of research into this. But this has given me so many feelings and I could see myself being that person that says, no, I'm not going to let all these animals die alone just because everyone else thinks that they should. And like props to this man for standing up for all of these animals because <clears throat> somebody had to. <sighs> I'm really I, glad I didn't read this because I would still be at home crying and not <laughs> be on my floor in a pile. Just, <laughs> I am kind of glad that none of us read both stories this week. Um, I didn't realize when putting them together how much we would all be feeling feelings. Yeah. All I'm picturing is my 11-year-old going, emotional damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just from what Lydia said, I'm experiencing pain. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that you could frown like anymore. <laughs> it made me sad. All right, let's cheer, some, cheer ourselves up with some trailer takedown. Let's get ready for trailer takedown. And we have four movies to talk about this week. Um, the first matchup is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem versus Paint. Um, I Okay, so this new iteration of Ninja Turtles, uh, I, I believe we've talked about it before. It's from Seth Rogen. And I wasn't for sure how I was going to feel about it. Um, I really liked this trailer. I think that this is giving new life to the Ninja Turtles. Uh, it's it's a version like it's it's very familiar. But this is something that we 
haven't quite seen before. Um, the animation style is also not typical. Um, it's I would say it's in the same vein as the Spider-Verse movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this was kind of more of a teaser trailer than anything. So I am excited to see... Um, like a more official trailer and you know kind of see more of what this movie actually is i did have two slight gripes with this movie um so the voices of the ninja turtles are actually there they're played by kids um which is is cool because they that that is the first you know (laughs) first word in their name um (laughs) but that said the actor who plays donnie sounds way too young he does not sound like a teenager. It does not sound like Donnie's shell has dropped. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> we only have an hour of show, Tab. Fair. <laughs> um, so, so that said, I mean, like, you know, he and and I feel bad for saying that because he did do a good job of acting but like i said he just sounded way too young also i'm the type of person who much prefers his april o'neill a little bit older like actually (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, not a shame bell it's a red flag (laughs) (laughs) i'm uncomfy well (laughs) no like i grew up with april o'neill already being a journalist and you know like I just, I that's April O'Neil in my eyes, and this April O'Neil, like it, you can see it, like she, it, it looks like she's like a kid investigative journalist, but like, but still, like Harriet the Spy, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. April the Spy. Um, <laughs> so that goes up against um, Paint, which is kind of like a Bob Ross parody, and I was not feeling this movie at all, like. I guess he thinks he's hot, hot poop. And <laughs> then another um, cable access paint person comes along and steals some of his thunder. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Um, I'd much rather watch like a more serious uh, look at Bob Ross's life. But I mean, either that or don't make this such an obvious <clears throat> Bob Ross knockoff. Um, so I gave, I gave Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles eight points and paint two. And honestly, the reason that I only gave Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles eight was because of those two things that I mentioned. So anyway, um, Lydia. So I'm going to go completely opposite of you on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I hated everything about this. <laughs> I, was I did not like the art style. I did not like the voices. I like I get where they're trying to come from with the younger actors. But like you said, they felt too young. I don't like the personalities. Like I feel like they took their personalities and just completely turned them all into idiots. Where mm-hmm. in the original like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's pretty much Mikey like he's the only one that is like <laughs> i'm gonna be stupid just for the sake of being stupid and he seemed like he was the only one that kind of had an idea what was going on so that was backwards um and then there's paint 
I also hate everything about this because, like <laughs> you said, this is a complete Bob Ross knockoff. And I hated every single moment of it. Like, I feel like you took the man's memory and went, how can I completely run this through the mud? Well, you figured it out. Good job. I'm going five and five because I don't want to watch either one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Tabitha. I agree with Lydia on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I hated the art style. Like, I couldn't tell if, like, things weren't buffering for a second. It just looked weird. And I was, like, waiting for it to, like, clean up. And I'm like, oh, it's not happening. Like, the best part of this was something we had to rewind for when we were watching it, where it said from the teenage mind of, like, set... permanent teenage mind of seth rogan like i i do like seth rogan um the voices sounded weird like prepubescent turtles is not what i'm signing up for when i look at teenage mutant ninja turtles like it just ptmt (laughs) ptmnt it just i don't know the voices bothered me and like the i know that like the the shtick of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is then being like, bro, let's go. But this was like too much like oh, eighth grade boys and I just could not get behind it. Um, with paint. So I'm a little torn with this because I also agree with Lydia when she's talking about it kind of feeling like they took Bob Ross and they were like, let's shake this up with a bunch of bad stuff and see what happens. Um But at the same time, this feels like a really relaxing Wes Anderson movie. And I don't know if that's because it's Owen Wilson. And I just assume (laughs) all Owen Wilson movies are Wes Anderson movies. But it was also like the color and the tone of the film. So while I don't have any desire to watch either one of them, my uh, in my brain connection to a Wes Anderson movie is going to give paint six points and... The teenage mutant, the prepubescent teenage mutant, wait, prepubescent mutant ninja turtles, four points. <laughs> it's like one of those colleges that's got too many letters for the acronym. <laughs> and Matt. Um, so, Mitch, I guess you and I are going to go see this teenage mutant ninja turtles together. Have fun. <laughs> right. Bye. High five. We'll get pizza afterwards. <laughs> um, because I love this art style it was animated but it was kind of claymation at the same time and there was something about that that was just interesting to me um it did also have that kind of spider-verse vibe with the shell i can never say those shell cell shaded thank you oh my god (laughs) never never can i ever um style but anyway i mean um Shell shaded, yeah. That I guess shell, that works for the shell shaded for because turtles, yeah. <laughs> That's for both of you. Oh. Um, I do have to agree with Mitch that the, um, I don't know, the junior high investigative reporter April O'Neil was a little weird because she's like. The April O'Neil that I grew up with already had a job at a news station. So, like, these are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but she's a full-grown adult. Which, yes, that makes the relationship awkward. But I just now realized that (laughs) despite being an adult now. The April O'Neil thing, I do think that the turtle voices are a little young. But animation style, I feel like this is going to be almost a revival for the turtles. 
Um, I feel like it's been far enough where we can harken back to Bebop, Rocksteady, Shredder, go to those base villains and start over. Um, Paint, the only word that I can keep coming up with is a bastardization of Bob Ross. Like, I like Owen Wilson, but it does. It kind of feels like they're almost mocking Bob Ross to a point with the trailer. And I, like, I I didn't really care for Bob Ross. I'm not going to sit down and watch the show, whatever. I'm not going to paint happy trees. But, like, <laughs> it just, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite fit. Um, it's, there's a little bit of off-color humor. I don't know. Not really here for that one. Um, I am going to go eight points for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and two for knockoff Bob Ross. It sounds like you're going to knock off Bob Ross. Like, that's real rude. <laughs> is, is he still Already alive? Dead. I was going to say. I he died in like the that. 90s. Okay, yeah. I can't do that anymore. I can't do that then. Resurrection. <laughs> now it just Bob sounds Ross? like a Resident Evil movie. Ooh, Nazi. No, not Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> zombie Bob Ross. <laughs> that's the only kind of zombie you're here for? Yes. <laughs> what kind mind. of trees are he going to paint? Dead cut. <laughs> So with a score of 25 to 15, Mutant Mayhem win- moves on. It's going to meet the winner of Ghosted versus A Disturbance in the Force. Um, <laughs> Tabitha, you avoided eye contact. We will start with you this round. Oh, Lord. Okay, so Ghosted. Um, I love Chris Evans. Most things that Chris Evans is in, I could watch on mute. Um, however, this looks like especially those... if he turns around. <laughs> it's America's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our fault. Um, while this vi- this movie looks visually stimulating, um, I don't know that the plot is for me. Does uh, the whole movie look visually stimulating? Uh, have you looked at Anna de Armas? Because yes, the whole movie <laughs> is visually stimulating. <laughs> Just the whole thing. Um, it all. It also kind of looks like bad spy slapstick humor, which isn't usually my bag. Um, if this was just like on something, I might watch it, but like I'm not going to like probably go out of my way to watch it. Um, as far as... Um, uh, disturbance. Uh, thank you. I was like the. I was gonna say the Star Wars holiday special, but that's not it. Um, a disturbance in the Force is concerned. This is something I'm going to actively want to sit down and watch, mostly because we watched this, and I am still scarred from the Wookie porn, <laughs> and I am nervous and excited to see how all of the people that they have interviewed uh, also react to those specific scenes. Uh, I noticed that they left that out of the trailer. Like, even though it is very much so like the most recognizable, awkward thing about that film, they, no one talked about it in this trailer. So now I'm like, I have to watch it. Cause are they going to address the Wookiee porn? Are we going to talk about that? I, we have to, right? <laughs> uh, so watchability, uh, I'm going to say six points to, Dis- nope. Disturbance. Yes, disturbance in the force. I keep wanting to say hol- Star Wars holiday special, um, and I'm going to give my my other four points to America's ass <laughs> and Anna Armas. All four cheeks. 
<laughs> one for each cheek. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, I actually enjoyed the Ghosted trailer. Uh, it went on for way too long. It was like a mm. three-minute trailer. Um, that's, yeah, it they could have cut that in half. Um, but, like, yeah, this is not a movie that you're going to take seriously. It's it's yeah it's gonna be a popcorn flick but it just it does it seems it seems fun i'm i'm kind of here for it um but a disturbance in the force am 100 percent here for um i am that weird person who enjoys the star wars holiday special it's not uh, what i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> what did you think i was gonna say wookie porn <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> we do not need to know. Move along. Move along. Move along. What's that? You made me spill my wine shame. <laughs> I think Lydia gets credit for the Star Wars joke that nobody else caught. What she? What did you say? Move along. Move along. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Points for Lydia. Good job. Good job. Snaps for Lydia. <laughs> but um. But yeah, like. This is one of those, like, in the last, like, few years, more people have seen the holiday special. Um, but this is still one of those things that is, like, not officially ever talked about. Uh, and to see, like, these other celebrities talk about it. Uh, and, and it's not just the holiday special. It's, you know, it's discussing, like, all the weird things that Star Wars did in the 70s. Because... <laughs> The trailer didn't show any clips from the holiday special itself, but it did show other clips from like other variety shows mm -hmm. that also featured Star Wars characters, and yep. it's just bizarre. Um, this is going to be really interesting. Um, I I know that it's like premiering at Sundance or no um, uh, South by Southwest, Southwest. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I need to know that this is going to be nearby um but i am actually i am mirroring tabitha i'm giving six points to disturbance in the force and four points to ghosted uh matt so the first half of the ghosted trailer i'm like what is chris evans doing in a rom-com being creepy one being creepy <laughs> and two being ghosted like let's be real no, no one is going to ghost Chris Evans. Thank you. <laughs> that is, that is like, I can suspend my disbelief in a lot of cases, but that is not one of them. Matt wouldn't even ghost Chris Evans. No. And I'm not even an ass man. <laughs> Speaking on my husband's behalf, you can be converted. <laughs> Regardless, the second half of this trailer, which, yes, Mitch didn't point out, is way too long of a trailer. But then you get into the action slapstick part of this trailer. That part, I'm actually kind of here for. Like, that looks funny. It kind of gives me that Chris Evans in the Losers vibe, mm -hmm. which I... I almost forgot how funny he can actually be when he's playing the straight man. So, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by it. But then again, a disturbance in the force. As we know, we've watched that holiday special. 
there's something inherently, I don't know, shocking about that and everything about it. And to be able to get the take from Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, like Harrison Ford, all of these celebrities and all of these people that were part of it to get their take on something that George Lucas swept under the rug because he realized was a disaster. I need to know. Like, I feel like this is a crime documentary that I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, this is on trial right now. I need to watch this. Like, I need to see this. And I don't know why, but I do. It's been on trial since the 70s. It has been. <laughs> um. So I think I have to echo the previous points and go six for Disturbance in the Force and four for Ghosted. Lydia, bring it home. So with Ghosted, I wanted to hate this trailer, especially like Matt said, like the first half, it's like, okay, dude, you, you got Ghosted, just let it die. Like, it's not <laughs> worth the effort you're putting into it. You're being creepy. And then when it got to the spy part and all the action and the slapstick, that's when it started to rope me in. And the part that got me the most is when he's like... You got me kidnapped and almost killed. She's like, you're the one that came to London. <laughs> like, she just flat out points out, like, hey, you're the idiot that didn't take the hint and got yourself into this mess. As far as disturbance in the force, I am one of the few people that still has not seen the holiday special because I did not watch that episode because I had not seen the original series or the original trilogy yet. You guys let me off the hook because I would have had no freaking clue. Well, we're going to have to change well, this. Well, we also did not want that to be her first experience with Star Wars. Because would have been like, what is the matter with you people? I was like, I'm not watching anything to do with this now. Thanks, guys. Um, All right. Well, we changed this. Yeah. We're not going to wait until Christmas. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Watching the trailer for this like documentary, I don't want to watch it but i want to go watch it now just to see what the big deal is because the fact that this has been for so long such a big issue among like the star wars community and even the actors that had to do this special it's like there has to be something here like i i, I want to know so I, of the two i would probably sit down and watch ghosted quicker but it's on apple tv so for that reason i'm going to go with you guys and go six and four for disturbance all right so with a score of 16 to 24 a disturbance in the force moves on um matt let's start with you this round um i i'm gonna cut it down the middle i'm gonna go five and five i almost went five and five um i'm giving Mutant Mayhem, one extra point. I'm giving that six versus four for Disturbance. The only reason why um, it gets more points is because I know that it'll be at a theater near me. Mm. I don't know that that will be the same case with Disturbance. Lydia. I am going to go nine to Disturbance and one to Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and the only reason that it gets the one is because I realized that I have to go watch the holiday special now, so that lost to the point. <laughs> Tabitha. What Lydia said. <laughs> All right, so with a score of 13 to 27, A Disturbance in the Force wins this week's trailer takedown. 
and let's get to gut reaction. Ow! Gut reaction. And we're going to start off this week uh, with going from Star Wars to Star Trek. Uh, Paramount Plus has announced that the upcoming fifth season of Star Trek Discovery will be its last. Uh, Principal photography for the season is mostly done. However, uh, there will be reshoots to give the series a proper ending. Um, The fifth and final season will air in early 2024. Uh, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways. Um, I I think I'm maybe one or two episodes into season four of Tra- Star Trek Discovery, so it's not a show that I'm keeping up to date with. That said, um, I am sad that it is ending. Um, I will forever be thankful that without Discovery, we wouldn't have all this Trek right now. Um, but at the same time, it's... <sighs> It's clear that they weren't expecting the series to be ending, especially if they're having to go to reshoots to come up with an ending. Mm-hmm. But um, I am glad that they are at least getting that option. And it is I'm I'm glad that it's not just going to like end on a cliffhanger or something stupid like that. Tabitha. As much of a Trekkie as I am and I always have been. I have not watched any of the new iterations of Star Trek, aside from Lower Decks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I agree with you that they're not just cutting it off and you're not getting some weird, like, you know, the end is coming. And I think that's important for TV shows these days. Um, this is something I will probably eventually get around to watching. Um, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Matt. I am also going to go thumb sideways because... Yes, I agree with Tabitha. With TV today, it's good that they are acknowledging the fact that it's ending. The fact that it's only ending after five seasons honestly makes me more likely to watch it once all is said and done. Because I've always loved Star Trek. But again, I haven't watched anything of this new stuff apart from Lower Decks. And knowing that there's a finite end to it makes it makes me more likely to go through and watch it so that I don't have 13 seasons to catch up on and watch all the way through. I can watch five. I can watch three of Picard. Like knowing that there's an ending in sight makes me more likely to watch it as much as that sucks. It does. But again, you're right, Mitch discovery has led to this resurgence of Trek and we just hope that that continues. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to stay thumb sideways. Lydia. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I haven't watched any of this, but the fact that they know, hey, like, this is going to be the end of it and that they're taking the time to go back and do reshoots and do rewrites so that there is an actual bookend to this series rather than just, oh, well, hey, we got canceled, so um, whatever we had is what you get. Sorry, bye. Like... At least they're taking the time to do that for, like, sake of actually having it have an end. So, thumb sideways. Matt, let's talk about Punisher. So, we all know that Daredevil is coming to Disney Plus with Born Again. It's getting an 18-episode season, which I think we might have talked about, but that's probably the longest Disney Plus Marvel show as of yet. Um, but this week we kind of got a little bit more information on the fact that, uh, John Bernthal 
will be returning as Punisher in this Born Again series. We know, obviously, Charlie Cox is going to play Daredevil, and Vincent D'Onofrio is coming back as Wilson Fisk. Um, Not in the article that I shared, but was also online this week that Foggy Nelson and... Now I'm drawing a blank on her name. Jessica Jones? No, not Jessica Jones. The lady that they hired as their legal assistant. The redhead? Yes. Um, She, at this point, Foggy Nelson and her will not be returning for Born Again. Which, I'm torn. Because as much as I enjoyed John Bernthal's portrayal of the Punisher, Foggy Nelson and, I hate that I can't remember her name, um, really kind of made the original Daredevil show, like, filled it out. Um, I'm still going to go thumbs up because Daredevil is one of those characters that I have always not, like, liked, but, like, wasn't super, like, bold about. But, like, I don't know. I've always enjoyed that character. I'm glad to see them get more shows more episodes. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the characters that they've already announced. So I'm going to go thumb sideways on kind of all of the casting news. Lydia. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go thumb sideways for a couple of reasons. One, I haven't kept up with any of those shows. Um, and two, uh, John, Bernthal. Yeah. <laughs> my brain is forever stuck on, Shane from Walking Dead, <laughs> yep. who I absolutely despise, and every time I see his face, that is who I think of, and I cannot get away from it. So sorry, dude, but you're you're out of luck in my brain, I guess. <laughs> um, so that that was a turn off for me, just knowing that he's coming back for more stuff in this. So I'm just gonna go middle of the road and leave it alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that especially Foggy is not mm-hmm. in this. Um, but, uh, John Berenstein, um, <laughs> that was a joke, but, um, <laughs> don't John- you assault my bears like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Barenthal coming back as Punisher. Uh, I, I think I saw one whole episode of Daredevil and it was not when the Punisher was around, but I do know that he was almost universally loved as yeah. the Punisher, so uh, I'm here for it. Thumbs up. Tabitha. I feel like you can't have, because I did watch a fair amount of Daredevil, I feel like you can't have Matt Murdock's character without Foggy. Yeah. Like, that feels yeah. weird. Like, because he's like the balance to that character. Mm-hmm. He's the comedic humor. And yes, if you've got... Especially the, in that show. You've got <clears throat> the Punisher, and you've got daredevil and you've got all these very serious dry humor people like where's your comedic relief gonna come from because it's gonna have to come from somewhere so i don't know i feel i feel uncomfortable about that and i also uh, i'm just gonna get a shirt that says i agree with lydia um (laughs) (laughs) because his face bugs the hell out of me Mm -hmm. like i literally cannot look at him without going oh from like those couple of seasons of the walking dead that i did watch i i don't like his face it's punchable so i'm gonna go thumb sideways lydia let's talk about dead by daylight so dead by daylight is a uh, 4v1 um survival horror game um 
that is apparently um, going to be made into a movie. Yeah. Um, say in the game, uh, say since it's 41, you have one character that plays as one of seven game exclusive monsters that tries to trap and kill the four survivors who either work together to escape or, you know, sacrifice each other so that they can escape alone. Um, gaming studio that made Dead by Daylight uh, Behavior Interactive is teaming up with Bloomhouse and Atomic Monster Productions to make the fe- uh, feature-length film. Um, there's no writer or director at this time. That's about all we really know about it. Um, knowing Bloomhouse is involved with it, I'm excited for that aspect. They have a lot of really good horror stuff. I am curious to see how they're going to take <clears throat> this particular game and actually make a storyline of it. Because it is very, there's not a whole lot of story to it. It's literally, you're in like this little enclosed area and the four survivors have to start up generators to open the doors to escape all the while evading the monster. Like there's not a whole lot of plot going on there. So I'm curious to see how they take one of those seven monsters or multiple of those seven monsters and kind of play with that. Um... So I'm going to go thumb sideways just because there's not a whole lot of information and I'm curious to see if they can make a storyline of this, but I'm also excited. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm going thumb sideways as well. Uh, I like I recognize the name Dead by Daylight, um, but what you explained was the most that I know of this game. So <laughs> that said, uh, w- what you said, yeah, it's like this game doesn't immediately lend itself to a movie but we've had other movies based off of worse concepts for games so i don't completely hate the idea tabitha game movies always make me nervous i feel like they make all of us nervous in the long run and especially with like the way you describe this plot like where are they gonna go with that like what's the actual plot of the film gonna be if that's the whole concept Mm -hmm. of the game Sometimes I feel like people don't understand what translates well between the two. Because if you're not being interactive like you are in a game, it's you're just sitting there staring at it at a movie. <laughs> like, now what? Like that, I don't know. That makes me kind of nervous. I'm going to go thumb sideways. Matt. I am going to go tentatively thumbs up just for the fact that Blumhouse is behind this. Um, I think there have been very few things that they have done recently that have not been stellar. Um, So I feel like with them behind it, they could take the minimal plot of said video game and expand on it, make something at least interesting and jump worthy. So like I said, tentative thumbs up. Let's go to the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Coming to you live from In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda News Desk. So Hamilton is headed back to Puerto Rico for a benefit performance for a two-week run. Um, June 13th through June 25th at Centro de Bellas Artists Luis 
I I took French in high school, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, it's going to feature the cast of the musicals Angelica North American Tour. Um, Lynn is using this musical as a way to raise funds for Puerto Rico. They are still rebuilding in the wake of that terrible, terrible hurricane in 2017. Um <clears throat> They are going to be raising funds for Hispanic Federation and the Flamboyant Arts Fund. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Christopher Jackson, and Leslie Odom Jr. are going to reunite at a benefit on June 16th. Um, This is incredible. Um, If we know anything about Lin, it's that he wants to bring help and fundraising and everything that he possibly can to his homeland in Puerto Rico. And since that devastating hurricane in 2017, um, very few um, funds have gone to assist. And if this is a way that they can bring money and assistance to these people, thumbs up. Matt. Is there anything that Lynn does that isn't amazing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs up. Lydia. Yes, same. Absolute thumbs up. The fact that they continue to use things like this for purpose of good is just awesome yeah uh yeah this is amazing definite thumbs up um never thought that i'd be jealous of puerto rico (laughs) Uh, i still want hamilton to show up at the uis performing arts center probably not gonna happen just go to chicago like a real person i mean i already have okay (laughs) but still i mean why go to chicago when you can go across town. Exactly. <laughs> so comic book writer Brian Michael Bendis has written a follow up to his 2000 autobiographical series Fortune and Glory. Uh, Fortune and Glory, the musical, will focus on Bendis's time writing the infamous Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Uh, the new story will start as a weekly Substack newsletter, which will then be collected in print from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, definite thumbs up. I did not know that he wrote this musical. Um, this is amazing. I I need to to read this story. Yeah, and all of your looks, Tabitha. <laughs> I felt like you were like saying like satire words for like a hot second. <laughs> and then I realized you were serious. Uh, thumbs sideways because I by nature cannot give a thumbs up to anything having to do with Spider-Man. Even, even Broadway no. Spider-Man. <laughs> that is universally hated. No. <laughs> Matt. I'm, I guess I'm in shock. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to say other than like Brian Michael Bendis, Spider-Man musical. Those were not three words, five words that I ever thought would be five and a half words. Cause it's hyphenated, um, that I would ever say in one <laughs> sentence. So I'm going to, I'll go with Mitch. I'm going to go thumbs up just to see how this all plays out. Lydia. This is the Spider-Man musical where, like, the Spider-Man actor, like, fell and got seriously injured, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Just making sure. Um, I'm confused. Thumbs sideways. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Matt, let's talk about a story that none of us really want to talk about. And not Seth, if you're listening, no. don't listen to this story about Funko. No. About how they're dumping 30 to $35 million worth of pops into a landfill. Ugh. But why, though? Well, first of all, because they're probably all commons. Um, but second of all, they... Like the because, <laughs> because not Seth doesn't have a storage unit big enough to take all of them. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, <laughs> Um, so basically what it amounts to is that Funko grew so big, so fast that they ended up with an inventory quiet, um, inventory last year ended at 264.4, million worth of inventory. Um, it's over 48% of an increase from the year previous. So they have some extra pops that they don't know what to do with or where they're going to go. Um, as such, in order to write off between 30 and $36 million worth of that excess, they are going to go to a landfill um, where they will sit and rot and not decompose because plastic. So like, I don't know. This is, this is, I don't know what to say because the CEO has said that they are going to focus more. They're going to, they're going to try and focus more on the areas that they can grow and expand um, their different Funko pop lines without having this access that they had last year. So, Credit to them for taking a look at their business model and trying to reevaluate, but thumbs down to not foreseeing the future and having to dump that amount of plastic into landfills. You have something to say, Tabitha? I just, why are we not recycling that? Yeah. I don't know that I don't have an answer for it. Like, in the arms of the landfill is not where we put plastic, like... Lydia. Yeah. I, two, two things popped into my head. One was like a Wally-esque like future where somebody just comes across <laughs> this humongous stack of Funko Pops and is horrified because they don't know why all these little faces are staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> and the other was like, why can't we, like Tabitha said, like recycle these or like, I don't know chop them up and use them like we do tires for like playgrounds and stuff like it'd be creepy because there's little eyes staring at you everywhere but i mean hey at least there's a use for it right i don't know thumbs down yeah 100 percent thumbs down um so many other things that you could have done with this i mean hell you could have done like a flash sale on your website and like you know buy one pop you get three mystery pops for free or something stupid like that you know um yeah this is just it's wasteful and at least hopefully funko has learned like and this is coming from somebody who owns more pops than he probably should 
but like you don't need a Funko Pop on literally everything. Um, unrelated, but uh, make sure to get your hands on your very own Geek Awakens Funko Pops um, coming to a Target near you next week. Um, <laughs> that would be cool if we had our own Funko Pops. They would end up in the landfill. <laughs> you would put them there, wouldn't you? No, because I don't believe in landfills. But <laughs> she would recycle us. I would yeah. recycle you. Yeah. Fair, um, but yeah, thumbs down all all around. Tap them. Yeah, obviously thumbs down. I feel like there were so many better ways to go with this, like even reutilizing these or like there are a lot of artists on Etsy that take pops and like repaint them to create reach out to them be like hey do you want like a stash of like 30 Funko mailing you 30 pops is not going to lose a million dollars like you're probably going to make or lose less money in the amount of money you had to pay to landfill these like they're just there feels like there had to be a workaround that was less harmful and less wasteful and I can't figure out what it is, but there's got to be something. You know, as everybody's talking about recycling these, it just reminds me that when I was a kid, I went to the Chicago Auto Show. And it was right after they reintroduced the Beetle. And one of the things that they did, and granted, I had to stand in Which line. Which Beetle? Paul? Ringo? Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> granted, I had to stand in line for over an hour for this, but they took pieces of headlights and taillights that had been pulled from auto accidents. They melted them down and put them into a plastic injected mold. And you got a new beetle in this, like out of those pieces. You could very easily do that at Mm -hmm. a con. Mm -hmm. People would stand in line for hours to just get a blank plane Funko pop made out of, mixture yeah yeah for sure yeah that's all i can think about now is how they could have done that instead there's a i feel like there's just a lot of things they could have done instead of what they ended up doing yeah that would have been if not more cost effective more profitable for them i also feel like for them to have that much of an overstock i feel like somebody like screwed up and hit zero too many times (laughs) it's like hey we need to print this one off oops um It'll be Sorry, okay. boss. <laughs> Guys, I hit enter three times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are running along on time. I'm cutting a few stories. But um, Lydia, let's talk about Sea of Thieves. So more video games that are becoming other things. Um, sea of Thieves is kind of not fully open world, but it's a video game that you play as pirates and go around, you know, pillaging the world. Um so Steamforged, who is a board game creator that has also taken video games like Elden Ring and Monster Hunter, um, is taking Sea of Thieves and turning it into a uh, two to four player board game. Um, sea of Thieves Voyage of Legends uh, says it's going to retail about $59.95. Um, say games build as a competitive seafaring adventure for two to four players. Uh, players will upgrade their ships, hire a crew, and sell off cargo at the main outpost and hunt for treasure as they vie for the title of Pirate Lord. Um, box contains 150 cards, 10 standard dice, and 24 standy pieces. Um, I like the idea of taking a game like that and kind of condensing it down to this format. Um, just cause there's not a whole lot of 
<laughs> board games that you get to like, oh, I'm going to go seafaring and <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It sounds fun. I'm probably never going to play it because I never have enough friends that want to play board games with me or I have too many, which is, you know, a first world problem. Um, <laughs> but it sounds fun. Um, the only thing that I don't like is the uh, price tag because I'm pretty sure the actual video game costs that much still. Um, so <laughs> they could maybe bring that down a little bit. Um, but other than that, thumbs up. Yeah. This sounds really fun. And I... It's a combination of me showing my age and just the simple fact that I don't buy board games that often, but I always still think that like a board game shouldn't cost more than 20 bucks, like 30 for like a good board game. Um, this one being $60 is kind of like, Ooh. but um, so I guess... I guess for the price point, I'm going to give it a thumb sideways. Tabitha. Yeah, the price point here is kind of my only deterrent. And if I played video games, this sounds like my kind of video game because this sounds like the kind of world I like to immerse myself in. Like, I love to play pirate ship in, like, my own head. Um, and, like, reading and, like, it just, ugh. That pirate thing is, like, my jam. Um, but, yeah, I don't know that I personally would spend that kind of money on it, but I might spend that kind of money on the video game to watch somebody play the video game because I don't have the hand-eye coordination, so thumbs up. <laughs> Matt, it's the only thing that would that would set me back from a thumbs up on this is if it takes me more than an hour to read and understand the rules. Um, that's my only hang-up, really, honestly, when it comes to board games in general, when it comes to, like, the adult, like, intense, like, lots of things going on board games like if i can get through the rules and play in a half an hour i'm good mm -hmm. if it takes me more than that then you're gonna lose me um i'm gonna hope that being the being that they're paring this down kind of from the video game that they would be able to do that and keep it a little more simplistic um so i'm gonna go i'll go thumbs up because i still think I, this would be a lot of fun to play matt let's talk about hershey's so, this is a little confusing for me because Hershey's is debuting a plant-based Reese's Cup and chocolate bar. But chocolate is already a plant, right? And so it's peanuts. Right. <laughs> um, There's got to be some other ingredient that isn't. Yeah. So, anyway, going on sale this month, Hershey is introducing the first vegan chocolate um, it is going to be Hershey's plant-based extra creamy with almonds and sea salt. Um, the peanut butter cups, sorry, the peanut butter cups are coming this month and the almonds and sea salt will follow in April. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes have the litigator 12. <laughs> Tonight is one of those nights. Uh, um, so really what makes it vegan is using oats instead of milk. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So now it makes more sense. Um, I'm just going to say, I've had the, like the vegan peanut butter cups that they have at Trader Joe's. They're real good. They're not quite as good as just like a regular Reese's peanut butter cup. But I am going to say with the backing and the money that Reese's and Hershey's has that this is going to be just as good 
as a regular Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So I'm going to go thumbs up. And if I find these on the shelf, I'm going to give them a try. Lydia. Yeah, once you started reading it, it made more sense. I feel like <laughs> the the whole plant based thing, I feel like they should have just led with the vegan part rather than pushing the whole plant based because peanuts <laughs> and chocolate are made from plants. People like that's the kind of the point. Um, but no, other than that, like I like that they are starting to go in directions like this where they are making like candy more accessible to people with food allergies and things like that. And especially if they can make it taste as good as the quote unquote real thing, even better. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I'm giving this it. My, my thumb is like three quarters up. Um, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) wrong show. (laughs) Lydia thought it too. This is, all, all together been a dirty night, guys. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, like the the only hang up that I have from it being a total thumbs up is I I, I recognize that this is they're that they're not going to taste exactly the same, but like I I need to know how it tastes first. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Tabitha. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I, I was just saying, it's your turn to talk. <laughs> oh, it's a job, Tabitha. Um, <laughs> so my favorite peanut butter cup ever is actually a sunflower vegan peanut butter cup from Trader Joe's because it's not as sweet. And some of my beef with a Reese's peanut butter cup is like, when I want one, I really want one. But just be careful what you say about Reese's peanut butter cups. This I- is a Reese's peanut butter cup family. Thank you. I'm sorry. Excuse me? Just saying, like, it, it sounded like you are about to talk, like, mad shit. Oh, about no, Reese's. no, I like them. Okay. Um, I had, like, three yesterday. Okay. Um, <laughs> you just share? No, there's just, sometimes they're, like, super sweet. And, like, that's my, like, only thing where I'm just, like, I don't always want the super sweet. Like, I want the chocolate and the peanut butter, but I don't need it to be, like, overly powerful on the sweet side. Um, so I'm kind of wondering if this is going to give me the same vibe. So thumbs up, maybe. I kind of want to try them out. Tabitha you have our last story of the night and this was actually one that I meant to bring up but then I forgot to so I was really glad that you did let's get drunk on Sunny D do we have to? yes this sounds amazing do this and the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups at the same time oh Oh my god that sounds like heartburn (laughs) can we get like some plant based pizza rolls with it too don't say pizza rolls. The peep Pepsi. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been looking for the Peepsy. Uh, Peepsy. <laughs> Never say Peepsy again. I can't believe you thought you were going to say that and get away without the shame. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Sunny D. Jesus is um, making a hard seltzer. It's a vodka seltzer. It's basically orange juice as the mixer and seltzer in the can. Uh, this is like Sunny D meets White Claw. Um, <laughs> Sunny Claw. Sun Claw, if you will. We don't know if it's orange. We don't know if it's clear. We don't know if it's got little chunks in it from the Sunny D mix. Oh. We all know that Sunny D was chunky in the bottom um you can get it so you've been working on itself okay you can get it march 11th at the walmart and that's it 
Full stop. The only place you can buy this is Walmart. Um, Tells you everything. You know. <laughs> there is an Instagram about Sunny D cocktails where you can learn how to make cocktails utilizing the Sunny D seltzer. Don't know who's going to do that. Oh, God. This sounds like heartburn. Yeah. Uh, it's a... <sighs> just, it's, just tell me it's orange seltzer. Why has it got to be Sunny D brand? I am here for this. This is going to taste like ass. <laughs> like rank ass. Because like Sunny D was like disgusting. Sunny D was already like seltzer-ish anyways. Sunny D was like fuzzy orange juice, but yes. not pulpy. Fuzzy. Where it like, <laughs> like you, you couldn't get the signal in on the TV. Yes, it leaves you like with that fuzzy mouthfeel. Granted, Sunny D was too fancy for my household, but <laughs> Sunny D was what orange juice wished it was, but it was not. Thumbs I remember like loving Sunny D when I was a kid, <gasps> and I had one recently because I'm like, oh my god, Sunny D, I haven't had one forever. That thing tasted like straight up chemicals. Yes. Like, no. We had Tang in my house. Oh, I love Tang. I also love Tang. And so some the first time I had a Sunny D, I expected it to taste like Tang. And I was like, what is this trash? <laughs> <laughs> bring back Tang. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Tang. Add giraffes. Like, I just, <laughs> I just wanted Tang. And so if they came out with a Tang seltzer, I would be on board. But Sunny D seltzer? Well, see, no, thank that's you. the other problem. It's seltzer. So is it going to be like what Clawworth just like... TV static while somebody screams Sunny D in the other room. <laughs> or... Orange recently walked by. Yes. <laughs> Someone was like, I'm going to hold this orange over this water and it's going to be fuzzy. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. Here's your drink. Like, a banana wafted by. Like, it's just. <laughs> So, so you're saying that I'm going to pick this up for us all to try, and then I'm just going to be the only one drinking it, right? Okay, so if it gives me heartburn, I will show up at your house at 3 a.m., knocking on your door, creating a scene. <laughs> you live in a very quiet neighborhood. Is that something you're willing to risk? Maybe. <laughs> also, you're going to have to hold on to mine until, like, July. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Might expire. Yeah. Yeah. Although, it probably wouldn't make it taste any worse. I mean, you could do that, like, thing where you, like, put it... There, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> at, least, at least you're not putting the tang on your mouth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. This. We've crossed the line. <laughs> We've crossed multiple lines. Um, yeah. Um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> we appreciate it. I'd say we're sorry, but we're, we're not. We're not. <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah. We'll probably do it again. Not we'll we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody say peepsy. Not <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music 
created and produced by E Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>